Good day and welcome to the City Point podcast. My name is Phil Dillon from uh, wikisandpiggies.com. Uh, I'm joined this week by Scott Sawyer from the Sunshine Coast Daily on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Plenty to talk about this week with the upcoming test series between India and uh, Australia, starting in Australia next week. Um, and also the WBBL, which is coming to its conclusion. Um, welcome, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. There's uh, much anticipation about the uh, test series coming up. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, battle between maybe Will, Will Pukowski and uh, Joe Burns at the top of the order for, for Australia? She's uh, pretty exciting, isn't it? Something like a, it's going to be one of the um, probably most most watched Australia games for a long time. Um, pretty, yeah, really interested to see how it goes. I think, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of chat from um, outsiders as well about uh, the the Burns um, Warner dynamic they got going on too, which is a, a huge factor. And obviously, Bukowski's got a heap of runs on the board. I think it'll be a, a pretty fascinating um, Australia game. And I was reading that yeah, they'll both definitely play the first one. Whether they both get a crack in the second one, we don't know yet. Um, I'd probably lean towards Burns, but. Pekoski's, yeah, making a very strong case, isn't he? Well, he is. I mean, it's back-to-back double hundreds. It's, it's it's something that's not been heard of for a long time. So um, he's obviously got some some much-talked-about um, personal problems that he's had to deal with over the last couple of years. But do you think he's, he's in the right space, uh, both on the field and off the field, to, to take his place in the squad? Or would you go with Burns yourself? No, I'd, I'd still go with Burns. I think that Pekoski looks like he's... But he's heading the right place at the moment for for cricket. Um, I know, yeah, noted that you know there's been a fair bit of chatter about publicly backing Burns over him, which um, it, it could be. I know Michael Clark took a, a bit of an issue with what impact that may have on on Will's sort of mental state as well. Um, it's it adds a lot to the theatre, I think, ahead of the the Test series. But um, I, I just think Burns probably deserves another crack at least, and I, I think the dynamic him and Warner have together is a really it is an important factor. I think they, they obviously complement each other out there, which is huge. I suppose the, mo- the other thing is that uh, both Warner and Burns are, are pretty good home track players as well. So that, that they would suggest that they they play well in Australia themselves. And Warner's obviously a flat track bully. We all know that. I mean, we we uh, we know that he's going to get runs at home, whatever. That's been the case for the last few years. I mean, whether that's whether that's the case this year, we don't know. But Pekoski... As, as, as can't do any more than score the runs that he scored. Um, it's it's important that he's done that. Um, do you think he can maybe jump in uh, down the order, or is it is it all down to the top order? Do you think? No, I think that's a really fair point too. There's obviously a bit of uh, fragility in that middle to lower order as well. I just think, yeah, he doesn't necessarily have to be an opener, does he? He's, he's scoring runs. He's showing he can bat time. Uh, there's probably no real problem with slotting him in down the order a bit. As a young bloke as well, it takes a little bit of, possibly a little bit of pressure off him unless he's one of those nervous types that, that don't do really well with the weight. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see any issue with maybe slotting him in down the order. Obviously, the one day is a, a just about to take place now as we speak. Um, that's always a, a bit of a, a guide to what's going to happen in the test series as well. Even though it's 50 overs, most of the Aussies in there are going to be playing both formats of the game, especially Warner and Smith and Labuschagne. So that's your top three sorted in the middle order. How much of a guide are these one-day games going to be? And 
how much of a, a miss will Virat Kohli be for the Indians when he goes home for the birth of his child? Yeah, I think um, the the one day is going to be a I think there'll be a de- decent indication. I wouldn't expect conditions to change too much. Obviously, night factors and all that sort of thing. But in terms of the, the way pitches will play generally, it shouldn't change too dramatically. And I think um, yeah, Marnus is in really good touch. Smithy mentioned this week that he's found his hands again after about four months, which would be uh, not the news you'd want to hear as an Indian bowler. I don't think. Uh, and obviously, yeah, I think Warner will, will go fairly fairly well again on a home series. Uh, I'm really interested to see how the Indians approach Smith. Um, Wagner kind of set out a bit of a blueprint in the last series here on, on how to sort of expose any flaws he may have with that short ball, but whether they can reproduce what Wagner does. He, he's so consistent, so accurate with it. That'll be very interesting. And, um, and yeah, Coley's going to be... An enormous out when he goes. It's a real shame for the the series, but obviously a, a you know, great reason that he's leaving. But um, yeah, it's just a real shame. He, he's such a competitor, and I think I think it'll be a massive out for them. Hmm. When you look at this year, what we've gone through with COVID, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, how important is this is this series for world cricket? Uh, it's second only to the Ashes in, as far as competition goes. I think it's important that these guys serve up some good cricket for us over the next few weeks um i'm really excited about what's going to come i'm really excited about the challenge between boomerah and shami and steve smith and david warner it made they flattered to deceive over the last couple of years i mean new zealand promised so much last year and they gave us not not much yeah. uh, we, we we want a contest don't we we really want to like a the you know the, the the Indian bowlers to 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 serve something up to the Aussie batsmen. We don't want we don't want six hundreds here and there. We want maybe three hundreds, and then a contest is 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 there for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the day night um, test will be hopefully a cracker when that ball. Yeah, I think we see better cricket when the when the ball sort of has the upper hand a bit at times. I think it makes for a much better test and. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think that, yeah, that Coley out is just a huge factor. It, it rips that rock out of the middle of that Indian team. So hopefully they can fill that hole. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's really, there's a prospect of some decent crowds potentially coming back in too. So I think it's really, really important they, that both sides put on a, a really strong show. And I think we'll get that. I'd just, I'd love to see it as a contest, even the way that the pitches are prepared too. I think it's it's got to be a contest. What do you love about cricket this time of year? I mean, is, do, you, do you always look forward to this time of year as a, an Aussie watching cricket in, in Australia, the, the summer coming up for us and, you know, the Indians coming across? I mean, second only to the Ashes, I would suggest. And there seems to be in a bit more rivalry because of the, the Coley, Smith, Warner the situation, whereas you've got three of the best players in the world going ahead against each other. Um, you looking forward to it? Oh, 100%. I think the, yeah, it's such a great time of year. You've got cricket on when you get home from work. You've got you know, Big Bash going on every night. It's it's a cracking time of year. You've, I think going back a little bit, you think of India was such a tough frontier for teams to try and conquer. Uh, and, and even, yeah, probably the, you, know, you go back to the Harbhajan Zing flare-ups and things like that. We've had, you know, there's a pretty rich history there. Um, and, and they always seem to, to put on a pretty good show when they get out here and, and likewise when we go over there it's always a, a really tough contest so 
it's good cricket and they are they're some of the world's best guys in that team. So it's it's great to see them out here. Right, Sharman looks like he's going to be fit. And Essent Sharman looks like he's going to be fit as well. It's important the Indians have come with their best players because last time they were here, they won the series. It's important for them to carry on that momentum and, and that upward surge because that down the years, they've sort of flattered to see when they come over here. It's, it's important that we get a like a good series because the New Zealand one last year promised so much and it really sort of like was a bit of a damp squib in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I think the the other thing to it, yeah, don't be surprised if Kobe leaving really sparks the Indian team as well. That, that might give them a real a real fire to try and you know win it for him while he's away. Um, and, and the likes of, I think it was Pajara last time, was an absolute rock for that team. So they're, they're going to be... You know, they're going to have guys turn up and perform as well, but that, that could really spur them on to, to actually try and prove everyone wrong as well. But they can win without him, and it's a huge series for them as well. Gives a chance for the young Indians to prove what they've done. And we've seen in the IPL there's a few new ones coming through that we, we might not necessarily have seen down in Australia. So it's to be good to see those young kids coming through as well. Um, right, Sharma possibly taking over the captaincy from uh, from Kohli when he goes away. So, right, Sharma's obviously a different captain, leads from the front as well. Be great to see them actually score some, put some big scores up, and then maybe give the Aussies a bit more of a test than the than New Zealanders gave last year. Yeah, I think, and yeah, there, there were still times when I think the probably the Perth test stood out. That was a real, you know, that week it was a real test um, for both sides. So, I'd, yeah, whether it's whether it's the teams putting the, the challenge to each other or, you know, I'd love to see the curators take it upon themselves to create a really, really difficult series for both sides as well. I think it'd be great to see a real contest, to see the, the ball really dominating the bat at times as well. I think that'd be great. Um, and I'm really interested to see, you know, I think guys like Nathan Lyon could be huge in this series again. Yeah, the Indians have brought a couple of good spinners with them as well. So it'd be, it would be great to, to, for the curators to provide uh, a, a maybe not flat tracks so we can we don't have sides putting 600 on. Ian Chappell the other day said the best test matches that he's ever seen that he was involved in are ones that when sides score 300 uh, and the other side replies with 250, 300 as well. So you, you're not running away with it. You're not necessarily playing out for a draw and I suppose it's important for test cricket to have those contests and not get people watching boring cricket for, for five days yeah that's the key you want you want a result still available on the fourth fifth day and yeah both sides well and truly in it that's um yeah I think that's what the everyone's favorite memories of test match cricket is, is all about those those results no one sort of yeah, obviously the hundreds in a session, that sort of thing, are incredible feats. But you look back on the the the, the tests in the series that went down to the wire. Let's let's move on to uh, the women's game for uh, this last few weeks. They've taken control over the Australian summer. Um, have you been keeping an eye on that? And uh, what are your thoughts on what's been served up over the last few weeks in the Big Bash? What I have seen has been pretty impressive. So. Alyssa Healy looks like she's in absolutely incredible form. <laughs> Saw her go, go bananas the other day. Um, and I, I noticed that, I thought this one stood out to me as well, the Sixers copped a, a 25k fine, I believe. For, I think they named someone outside the squad. Bit of a, I think it was blamed on an admin error, but that was, um, that's not something you see every day as well. It was a bit quirky. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, there has been some quirky stuff going on in in the women's big match, I think, and it's like it's not necessarily the the, the big name stars who've, who've uh, the highlight of this year. I mean, Lisa Perry hasn't really done much. Alyssa Healy got a fantastic hundred the other day, but the Sixers don't make didn't make the finals. Um, it was it's interesting to see how Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney went when they went to the Scorchers and they did carry on their good form from last year with them and they got to the to the finals. Um, I noticed the uh, the team of the tournament was named this week. Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney were in that, and Meg Lanning was in that. Um, Sophie Devine was named player of the tournament. She's pretty dynamic player. I mean, for her to, to move from one team to another and, and still carry on her great form has been amazing, eh? Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty impressive ability to adapt, and I think the um, it wouldn't be too long before the the men's heat team start knocking on the door for a few tips on what their their secrets are. I wouldn't think they're pretty consistent and pretty dominant. The other thing that's interested me over the last few weeks is the the pace of the bowlers is is improved. The quick bowlers has got a bit quicker, and and obviously mm. the girls are going to get stronger and stronger the more they get. Uh, impact and the uh, the impact of the youngsters coming through as well. A lot of these kids are, are still year twelve kids coming through to the, in the big bash. That's that's great to see that the women's game is is encouraging these youngsters to come through. That's funny to say. That. I was only having that discussion uh, just the other night with a another guy. He yeah, similar thing. He said he first watched the game about three years ago and you know enjoyed it a bit, but it wasn't sort of sold on it. He said. This season, he's just been hooked on the the game. He said that you know, some of the hitting, the techniques, and the the, the pace on the bowl, he's, he'd noticed it markedly sort of increase in that three seasons. And I think that was probably the only thing maybe lacking a little bit, just that that pace on that sort of that quicker bowling attack. Um, so yeah, I think if that keeps developing too, it's going to be impressive. The, the fielding stood out to me too. They're electric in the field. The women's game is, is moved on immensely and, and, and it seems to me that the Big Bash has, has moved on leaps and bounds. It's been a big uh, key factor for that improving. Um, men's Big Bash is coming up as well. Um, we're going to speak to Ben Cutting on our podcast later in this thing. Um, a few new rule changes are coming through. I'm not sure whether the players are actually keen on these rule changes and whether they need to be made. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm still going through the formulas in my head to work out what what's going on. It's, <laughs> you need a degree to go through it. It's, um, man, yeah, the, it's interesting. I I would have thought they would have been better off shortening the the league, increasing the number of international players per team. I would have thought that probably would have brought the the product back to where it was around two seasons ago. I thought it was really probably two or three years ago. It was really hitting its straps, and then I think it just went too long. Um, but yeah, the X Factor player. It's a, you know, it feels like a bit of a an attempt to try and generate something that's maybe not there. Um, I, I just would have thought people were quite happy with the quality of the game. You know, increase the internationals, increase the quality, shorten the league, make it a bit more compact, and you've probably got the right formula there. But um, in saying that, I'd be interested to see who the X Factors are when they come in. Yeah. It'd be, You'd be pretty stiff if you got taken off as well for an X-Factor player if you make for some interesting team dynamics. I just wondered to me who they, who they decided the X-Factors are and, and why do they give these X-Factors these certain players? It just doesn't make sense to me. But the other thing to me is that um, David Warner said that he doesn't think he's going ever going to play Big Bash anymore. Mm. The, the way 
things are going. And Steve Smith is another one that says he's unlikely to play Big Bash over the next couple of years. It's, it's a shame that these Aussie stars and Indians that haven't come across, you know, considering how good the IPL is, that they're not going to be able to play in the Big Bash. You, you, surely they would want the best players available in, in to make that competition better. Oh, and then that's, I think that gets to maybe the, the length of the tournament. It just seems to be so drawn out now. And, uh, yeah, the, I appreciate, yeah, these guys have got huge calendars. Um, do they really want to pack this into it as well? Uh, they're probably trying to extend their test careers as long as they can. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. I'd, I would have thought, again, that they'd be better off trying to shorten it and make it as accessible as they could for, for the best players in the world. Okay, Scotty, thanks for your time this week. We'll talk to you next week, and hopefully there's a few more things to talk about. Now we'll head over to the interview I did with uh, Ben Cutting and see what his thoughts are on the big bash coming up. G'day, Ben. How are you going, mate? Um, how have you been in this uh, strange new world of lockdown, etc., etc.? It's very strange, and so it's, uh, it's about to get a whole lot stranger as we get into the uh, the BBL this year. Well, so what what have you actually been doing over the last few months? Have you been um, anything that you've done that's a bit out of the norm? Are you, are you like a minus Labashani who's been practicing in a garage or something like that? Or how, what how have you coped with it all? Uh, I've coped okay. Um, right back at the start, when it all first kicked off in Australia in March, I was over in uh, Pakistan playing PSL. Uh, and once that lifted, um, you know, we I tried to get back out to the public nets whenever I could uh, with one or two other guys and uh, and just work on a few things and just grew a few things and uh, set my garage up as a home gym. Uh, so I had a few guys come around and use that as well. Just to, We all just kept ticking over, basically working on things where we had such a long layoff, um, six or seven months leading to the first class season for those guys as well. Um, that was a really good opportunity to, you know, put some kilometres in the legs, get some strength back, work on a few technical uh, technical issues from the past couple of years and, and iron out those differences. So, Ben, that was about uh, last year and this year, how you coped with COVID. Just to, to tell us uh, how you got involved in the game originally. Was, was it something that was always on the, on, the, on the cards for you to be a cricketer? Yeah, it was always uh, sort of cricket and soccer for me. And to be honest, probably a little bit of tennis as well early on. Um, but I played organised sport uh, for a soccer team before I played organised cricket. So I just remember playing uh, playing at primary school one day and then coming home that night and asking mum and dad, telling, told them I enjoyed it and said, what can we do? Can we can we try and play you know, for a team on a Saturday? And that's when I joined the, the under-10s uh, McGregor Cricket Club. And, and from there, was there, was there any time when you thought to yourself, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm quite good at this. I might be able to go a bit further or get get to as high as I possibly can. Uh, I don't I don't really know when that phase of it kicked in. It, it was certainly certainly came in probably uh, when I was a little bit older, perhaps. Um, I, I do remember my first cricket bat was the uh, it was a Gabba Queensland Bulls bat. Um, that was that was one of my first sticks in under tens, and I think I used that for a couple of years after that. But I was always playing. Sort of tried to play up a year, um, so under tens as an eight-year-old, elevens as a nine-year-old, that sort of thing. So when did you realise then that cricket was the one, and you moved away from soccer and tennis? Um, was it then something that you really wanted to throw yourself into? Then it was, yeah. It um, I, I loved the game. I was playing twenty-four-seven. I'd, I'd play at school. I'd play on a Saturday. I'd come home and play every afternoon at home with my brother and his mates. Um, 
it was just it was part of our household and it was always on TV. As as for most people, it is at that age that develop a love of the game. So, yeah. um, you know, I'd, uh, it was probably started to take it a little bit more seriously come grade twelve or when I finished school. Um, I was I was a late bloomer. I was always very small, quite short, pretty scrawny, not that strong. Um, but I just wanted to bowl as fast as I could. And uh, when I shot up, um, sort of under 17s, 18s, 19s was when things started to happen. So you've, you've got your contract with Queensland eventually and then, then um, managed to play first-class cricket. What was that like when you first came, came into first-class cricket? Was it a huge thrill for you to do that sort of thing, playing with you, like people you've grown up watching on the telly, for example? It was, yeah. It was, um, it was one of the most special moments of, of my cricketing career was, was making my debut for the Bulls. Um, a, because I had the Queensland Bulls bat as a 10-year-old, so I wanted to play. I used to go to all their games at the Gabba and watch the guys play. Um, but it was a whirlwind, probably 18 months, two years leading up to that, where I was came from second grade in club cricket, had a great season, uh, got picked in the Queensland on a 19s team, having not been a part of any of those teams before that. Um, performed well over in Perth, played in the uh, Australian team in the under 19 World Cup in Sri Lanka. And it was a couple of months after that that I picked up the rookie contract with the Queensland Bulls. So, you know, some of the names in the squad back then, you know, you got your Simons, your Watsons, um, Chris Simpson was uh, was there, Jimmy Ma, um, Andy Bickle, Michael Kaswich. The, they, were the, they were the names that you didn't just watch playing for Queensland the years prior, but playing for Australia. Yeah, so it must. Like you say, it was a thrill to, to join that that team, and you, you managed to bed yourself into that team quite well over the years. Um, so um, this year, obviously, it's a bit different because you're going into the BBL with the Sydney Thunder. How's it going to be when you first like line up against the Brisbane Heat? Because you're a Brisbane boy, it's going to be difficult for you to go from. How, how do you look in lime green, for example? Do you look your colours all right? Pretty good. I think it's pretty slimming. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's certainly going to be something very different. Um, having always been, you know, for 15 years of my career, Brisbane-based, you know, bled teal, bled maroon to, to something different and joining the Sydney Thunder. So uh, I am excited by it. So how, how did it come about? You're obviously, you're 33 now, so you've had a bit of a shoulder problem. First of all, how's that? Is that, is that settled down now? Is that okay? Yeah, it's coming along all right. Uh, that was something I picked up playing club cricket in the one-day season uh, probably three months ago now. Um, hadn't played any cricket since until about two weeks ago. So it's, it's going okay and um, should be ready and ready to let a few go in the big bash, that's for sure. So tell us about the move to the Thunder. Was it was it something that you wanted or was it something that you were pushed into? Or what, 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 Tell us what happened there. Uh, tough question, probably a little bit of both. Um, you, you'll, you'll see looking at the Heat roster that there's been quite a few guys that have left. Uh, it's not just myself. There's Matt Renshaw, uh, Josh Layla, James Pattinson, um, Jack Presswich is probably half of the starting 11 of the last game last year um, for various reasons, but I think all around a central theme. So um, I'm looking forward to the new challenge with the Thunder. It's, it's playing with guys that I've played a lot of cricket with and against over the years. Um, my best mate, Uzi Kawaja, uh, great mates, Callum Ferguson, Chris Green. Uh, these, these sort of guys I love playing with. And to have Shane Bond as head coach of the Thunder as well, who I got to know really well when he was bowling coach for the Heat, but also bowling coach for the Mumbai Indians. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, 
what are you expecting from the Big Bash this year? Obviously, you you all got to go into a bubble. Have you asked Have you asked the girls what it's like the, the what they've experienced down in uh, Sydney for their bubble? Uh, how are you going to cope with that? I haven't spoken to the girls, but I am really hoping that our bubble is nothing like theirs. Uh, I believe they have a pretty hard bubble uh, over four or five weeks, all staying in one hotel, playing all their matches in Sydney, and they're not allowed to do anything. Um, I'd like to think that ours is probably closer to the uh, the AFL AFL bubble, where you can come and go. Um, or, or the Sheffield Shield bubble, the guys have had in Adelaide the past couple of weeks, where to enter the bubble, you've got to do 72 hours home isolation. Uh, and before you head into the bubble, but once you're in the bubble, you're still free to go to cafes and restaurants, uh, providing you stay outside, eat outside of those venues. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll find out a little bit more about that on Tuesday night next week. Um, but uh, hopefully it's a bit like that. With your team, you've got some decent overseas players coming in as well. Sydney Thunder's sort of been there or thereabouts for the last couple of years and without really threatening the finals. You, are you expecting something from the team this year? I think so, yeah. Thunder have had a very strong team for the last couple of years, um, but they've always had a lot of young guys, and that's certainly a case again this year. But I think with another year of experience under their belts, and you've got the older heads, the Usman Khawajas, the Callum Fergusons, um, the Alex Hales as well, Sam Billings, these guys have played international cricket. Uh, it's a great mix of experience and youth, um, and they're all good people as well. I think when you bring all those couple of characteristics together, that's that's going to breed success. You know, it might not be immediately, but there's certainly going to be success there with that group. And there's obviously some been some uh, talk about new rules and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I think some of them are, for us laymen or the ones that don't actually play the game, look a bit weird. For, but I, how, how do they sit with the players, these new rules? Uh, it depends who you ask. If you're asking the batters, they are thoroughly excited about the power surge where you get to bat death with only two fielders outside the ring, um, effectively a, a second power play. Uh, that's going to be interesting. I think the tactics for all of the different new rules are going to change over the over the 14 games as teams sort of make trial and error because they haven't had any games in club cricket or anywhere else to practice these new rules. Uh, the exciting one for me is you can pay three overseas players for the first time in BBL history. So that, that's that's a positive for me. The other ones I'm not so sure about. Um, I think <laughs> the BBL is is something that you want to um, – you're trying to encourage new people to get into it, whether it's kid, women, children, whoever, and to get them involved and get them excited and pumped up and enjoying it you've got to keep it simple. And bringing in new rules can certainly muddy, muddy the waters. I know I'm already confused and I haven't played a game yet. So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it could be tough for anyone's coming in to watch. It, it seems to be, uh, what from what we've heard, David Warner says he might not be playing Big Bash maybe never again. And Steve Smith said that he's uh, maybe saying the same thing. Do you think it's important to keep those sort of players, Australian players, within the BBL um, and make sure that we have the best players that are available? Yeah. Is it important to get those players in? I think it is, yeah. I think you're probably never going to get the Australian international players available for full for the full BBL. But if, if there's a way that they can arrange the international schedule in seasons to come where you might get your international players for a two- or three-week block, that is still better than nothing because you can still get four or five games out in that two- or three-week block. Um, 
it's just going to be tough this year because obviously they've got bubbles and whatnot as well. They've already been on the road this year. Some have come from India. Some just got out of quarantine last night from India. Um, so it, it is tough for that this year. The other thing that's been talked about is the length of the competition. Where do you stand on that? Do you think it's a bit too long or where do you, are you hoping to get as much cricket as you possibly can? Is that the case this year? No, I believe it's too long. I think 14 games is good, but I think you can condense 14 games a team into a far shorter window and that will encourage your overseas players to come and play um, because all of a sudden they're not away from their families or wherever they're from for, for, uh, for two months of the year, over Christmas and New Year. Um, you look at other tournaments, uh, the UK, the T20 Black, they play 14 games in four weeks uh, through June, July. Um, IPL is a little bit more strung out, it's probably over six weeks. Um, but even then, they've got a lot more travel to contend with that we do here in Australia. Mm. Um, so the competition as a whole, where, where do you see the strengths and weaknesses of different teams? You, the Heat have seemed to be... Uh, they got Tom Bandman in their side as one of their overseas players and there's a couple of others. Morning Mork has just come over and he's obviously been recovering from an ankle injury. But um, their strength in, in most of the teams coming through so it looks to me like it might be more of an open competition this year, maybe. I think so, yeah. I think um, one of the strongest lineups probably the Stars. Uh, they've got a couple of new local recruits but a couple of overseas guys as well. Uh, I think they signed Zaheer Khan. Did I see that the other day? He's already tried and tested in the BBL and done very well yeah. for that last year. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. But as we always see, teams can be slow to get into the competition and come home with a wet sail and vice versa. As a competition that encourages young young stars coming through, but it also gives the chance for, I'm sorry to say, this older players like yourself to continue their career you know, you see like Ben Lachlan is just playing T20 cricket, you're just playing T20 cricket. Is, is it is it become a case that you can sort of carry on your career in, in T20 cricket around the world? You play in the PCL, you play in the Caribbean League, et cetera, et cetera. Is it, is it good for you to, to carry on that? I think so, yeah. You look at guys like Shane Watson, who only just called time in his career at the end of the IPL. Um, and guys like Benny Lachlan, even a couple of years ago, Brad Hodge, when he finished up, um, Brad Hogg as well. What did he get to 43? He's probably still playing. Um, yeah, it's, it is a way to prolong your career because it's it's not Red Bull cricket. It's not four or five day hard grinding cricket on the body. Um, so you, you can get through it a little bit older you get. And you still have that experience to offer the young guys. Uh, like you say, the young guys coming through, it's given the chance like Cameron Green's come through the, the BBL and people like Daniel Sams and and Max Bryant at the at the at the uh heat it's yep. good for those youngsters to come through i think david warner when he first came through he, he was he was came through the, the hong kong 60s when he first came through so it's all important to get those shorter forms of the game can lead to something more can't it that's right and it's it's becoming more and more prevalent now as well with with so many other leagues around the world if you're not directly or you're not centrally contracted to a state here look at chris green for an example um one of the best off spinners in the country but it's not state contracted. Um, so he's free to roam about the rest of the world um, and play his trade, bat, bowl. He captains a T20 franchise in Guyana in the CPL, and that's fantastic for his personal development. I mean, I, he must be early 20s, mid-20s, so he's still got a lot of cricket to, to play ahead of him. Mm. Well, the shorter format of the game gave you a chance to play for your country as well. What, can you just, just tell us well, what that was like to wear the, the green and gold for Australia in your T20 and your 
one day games? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it was a while ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 2013 you first made your debut. I think it was seven years ago. So that's about right. Yeah, it's um, it was it was tough to be fair. Uh, it was it was tough mentally. Um, it was something that you always look forward to as a kid of walking out to play for your country. Um, but at that point in time, Cricket Australia was going through a, I suppose, a player remodelling process where they 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 blooded a lot of young guys at the same time, um, which meant you a you didn't get to play with all those heroes you thought you were going to get to play with, but b you're always in and out of the team. I don't think I ever played back to back matches. I was always in for one, drop for two, back again, um, and that that really mucked with your head as a young bloke. Uh, and we still see it happening now, probably not to the same extent as it was back then. Um, so that that was a that was different. Tell us what it was like when you're going to places like Pakistan, uh, the Caribbean, the Indian Premier League, when you're playing uh, in front of, say, like hundreds of thousands at Eden Gardens, for example, in Calcutta. Um, that that must be just incredible. To Was that as, as good as playing for your country? Yes. Probably for me personally, probably better because... I, I'd had success in that environment in the IPL and these other T20 tournaments around the world, but I, I hadn't had success playing for Australia. Um, and it, it's tough to get the opportunity when you only get a couple of games and you're in and out all the time. Um, so I, w- I was very grateful for, for being able to play those four games of, of one days and four 2020s for Australia. I would have loved to have an extended crack um, and, and just string a few games together and see what you can do, which is which I've been able to do in the IPL and and CPL and others over the years. But you know, like you said, playing somewhere like Kolkata in front of 100,000 people, that's a pinch yourself moment because it's not only the 100,000 people that are playing or that are watching you in the stadium, it's it's also the 60 or 70 million watching you on TV <laughs> around the world. So how do you get used to all the food, different foods when you're going to Pakistan and West Indies? <laughs> and <laughs> it must, Does it get to your, your, your stomach? Does it, does it worry you a little bit? Um, what I'm trying to say, do you end up with Delhi Belly or anything like that? Yeah, no, I, uh, I've usually been pretty good. I've, I've, <laughs> a couple of times I've been quite sick in India with the flu or, or a variation of the flu, but uh, it wasn't until my Pakistan trip earlier in this year in March that I actually got bad food poisoning. I missed two or three games for Quetta. Um, they wanted to ship me off to hospital, but eventually I, I convinced them to bring the drip and the doctors and everything else to me in the hotel in Karachi. So... That, that was me on a drip for, for eight or nine days, and hopefully not to have to do that experience again. <laughs> I, I don't suppose you could have done, you would have imagined if you've had experiences like that. I mean, that's not really a great, great experience, but to, to have been able to do that just through playing sport, that must be something that, that is, our dreams are made of, isn't it? That's right. You get to, you get to travel the world, um, make a great living, have great fun with your mates, and play good cricket. It's... It's it's the best. You you can't get past it, um, and that's part of the reason why I want to keep playing cricket. I, you know, I've, uh, I don't see myself as an old bloke at the moment. I have still got plenty to give, and I'd love to play for another uh, three or four years at least. Do you think like you still you're still going to be just like a T Twenty player, or you or you still got um, hopes and of playing the longer formats of the game, like fifty over cricket or anything like that? Probably Depends not for. On- no, I'd, uh, <laughs> I think the shield cricket, uh, the shield cricket ship has sailed for me. 
Um, but uh, I was lucky enough to play some one days for Queensland from outside the, the contract window last year. Um, yeah. And was hoping to do that again this year as well, play some one, one days for Queensland. But just the way they had to restructure the, um, the fixtures with COVID probably means I'll, I might miss out on that this, this time around. You're still down there at Alan Borderfield doing your training down there, for example. I saw Morny Malka down there with you the other day. So um, it, do, you, do you enjoy teaching the young guys in that Queensland group? There's a few good kids coming through there. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy passing on your experiences to them? I do, yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys I haven't seen a lot of because I haven't been uh, around the Queensland team for a couple of years now. Um, but seeing them come through uh, grade cricket, uh, and then make the step to the next level and succeed is pretty exciting. Um, even guys like Michael Nessa, who I, who I was uh, part of the Queensland setup with for a number of years, he's now in the Australian setup. That's, that's pretty cool to watch him grow. Um, you mentioned there you had some experiences in Pakistan, etc. One, one of the ones was, was being interviewed by your, your future wife, Erin Holland, in, in the. How, how did that come about? How was that? How, how did you find that? It's pretty cool. It's different. It's uh, it's very relaxed. To be fair, um, she's she's been lucky enough to travel to a few tournaments with me now as as part of the broadcast team while I'm playing. So I, I had her for a big bash. Uh, I had her a year at IPL and uh, a year in Canada uh, twelve months ago as well. So, oh, that's great. Um, so you, you're supposed to have got married this year, I understand. So is it is it something that you put off till next year or are you just going to just wait and see? Um, we, we had to keep rolling with the punches, really. We, <laughs> we were scheduled in June originally. We, we moved it to December. And then the first BBL fixture list came out back in July, August maybe, and it had the first Sydney Thunder game the same date as we booked the wedding. Uh, so we've had to move it again. <laughs> Um, and it's pretty much just a, a rolling date at the moment. Uh, we've, we've got everything sorted out. We've got someone helping us organise it and everything. So as soon as the BBL finishes, uh, we'll, we'll be there. I hope. you got your best man, Esmond Karaj, who's like in your team, so you wouldn't have to come far if you'd have to go around the corner to get to the church, would he? <laughs> no, that's right. To be fair, if we're crushed for time, we'll probably just do it after a big bash finals. Actually, I don't know if you with that. <laughs> Talk about this time of year in Australia when you, when the seasons. I mean, the shield's been going for a few weeks now, but it's sort of like, do you, do you get do you get sort of goosebumps getting ready for for this coming through? You know that Christmas is going to be a big time of the year for cricket yeah. cricketers in Australia, and it always has been. But especially with the Indians coming over this year, do you, do you find it like you're really excited by what's going to what's coming up? Definitely, and from a playing perspective, usually like there's always a few nerves leading into the big bash, but this year probably more so because there hasn't been any cricket. Yeah, I, I suppose you're looking to this test series over at Coley's here, and you've got to hopefully get some crowds for for test match, and maybe those crowds can come to the big bash too. How mm. it, how important it is for those crowds to get back into the sport in Australia? We've seen it in the in the NRL and the AFL. Um, hopefully, that can spread to cricket too. Yeah, definitely. We saw a full house at uh, Suncorp for State of Origin last week. Um, so that's that's good news for the Gabba. Um, they've got a number of games there, not just Brisbane Heat games, but um, but other teams as well. So hopefully that starts to filter around the country and go back to some sense of normality. Good on you. And I, I look forward to that uh, New South Wales versus Queensland with Brisbane Heat and Sydney Thunder, which you're going to have to be on the other side now, mate. I don't know how you're going to cope with that. 
I'll still go for Queensland in the state of origin, but I am looking forward to uh, to that match. I think the first one's at Manuka on the 14th of December and then again at the Gabba on the 4th of January. Well, that'd be great to look forward to. Well, hopefully we can catch up at the Gabba later on in the season. And thanks for your time today. And uh, maybe we can have a chat uh, as the uh, BBL goes down. That'd be awesome. Thanks, Phil.